This episode is being brought to you by the Speak English with Tiffany Academy. If you are tired of trying to figure out what to study, if you want to get a better job but your English is holding you back, or if you feel stuck at the same English level and you don't know what to do, then the Academy is for you. When you join the Academy, you will get access to a 365-day English lesson plan created specifically for intermediate and advanced English learners. These 365 days of English lessons will cover English vocabulary, American culture, listening skills, fluency, idioms, expressions, and so much more. You will also be able to join a private community where you can practice what you learn with English learners from all around the world. So join today by going to www.speakenglishwithtiffanyacademy.com. Welcome to the Speak English with Tiffany podcast, a podcast especially created for intermediate and advanced English learners. In this podcast, you will hear natural English conversations, learn specific English tips and tricks, and also get to know many different ESL teachers. This podcast will take your English ability to the next level and help you to be more confident and more fluent when you speak in English. Are you ready? Well then, let's jump right in. Hey everyone, this is Teacher Tiffany and I want to thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Speak English with Tiffany podcast. In today's episode, you are going to hear a conversation that I had with Teacher Julie. Now, during this conversation, Julie and I answered so many questions that you probably have as well. Questions like, how can you study English when you're alone? How can you stop feeling lazy? How can you improve your English grammar? And so many more. So this episode is going to help you a lot. So get your pen and paper ready. Now, before we jump into the episode, I want to remind you about the weekly English words membership. That's right. Weeklyenglishwords.com. You see, each podcast episode includes tons of new vocabulary words, expressions, and idioms that are used by native English speakers. But you know, as an English learner, it's hard for you to know the correct meanings and how to use the words, expressions, and idioms properly. That's exactly why the Weekly English Words membership was created. As a member, after each podcast episode, you will find an entire section that includes video explanations for more than 25 words and expressions that were used during the episode. As a member, you will also be able to download a PDF that includes the definitions. When I say you won't find this anywhere else on the internet, trust me, I'm not lying. This is something you need if you want to truly speak English fluently and sound like a native English speaker. So again, you can go to www.weeklyenglishwords.com and start learning more today. Remember, the words and expressions will be heard in this episode and you can learn more about them by going to weeklyenglishwords.com. Now, are you ready for this episode? Well then, let's jump right into today's episode. Hey, Julie, how are you? 
I am very well. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, today, we're going to keep going on with answering student questions. And I feel like we both get a lot of questions from our students. Do you normally get a lot of questions from your students on Instagram? Yes, I do. I do. Um, a lot of them are similar questions, but yes, I get many. Yeah. Well, let's see. Hopefully the questions we have today are some of the questions that our listeners also have so we can answer those for them. Um, let's see. Number one, the first question is, how can I stop feeling lazy? I feel like a lot of students, especially English learners, they go through these kind of like ups and downs, excited about studying English and then kind of like bored um, and starting to feel lazy. So what would you tell a student that is trying to figure out how to stop feeling lazy when it comes to studying English? Uh, I think that when it comes to everything, people start feeling lazy at one point or another. But mm -hmm. um, especially when you're studying a language and you're studying English, I think if you're feeling lazy, you have to change your routine. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can try to find someone to study with you if possible. Mm -hmm. um, and you can also learn like, this is something that's worked for me. It's, it's not when I've felt lazy. It's more like if I'm not productive mm. or I'm unproductive or I'm not doing as much as I want. Like I've looked for practical, um, I guess, methods mm. of helping me to be more productive, like maybe how to manage my time better or how to like different things online. Like I've watched YouTube videos and this has really helped me. So I would say to look for, um, methods or strategies that they can implement instead of trying mm -hmm. to create them themselves like a lot mm -hmm. of what you have on YouTube uh, for example like creating a study schedule for yourself and creating mm -hmm. a system but just finding it um, instead of making it yourself if that yeah. makes sense I know exactly what you mean like someone's already done quote-unquote the dirty work or the hard work just kind of follow what they've already given so I agree yeah, yeah. I think the, the point of having a plan really does make a difference. I, I think that's applicable to every part of our lives as well. Like when you have a plan, it's easier to kind of follow it. And then when you've accomplished something, you can kind of move on and you feel like you've succeeded at something. Um, I know when students tell me that they are feeling lazy, I also usually ask them kind of like, how long have they been studying and in what way they are currently studying? Because a lot of times students are studying in a way uh, for example, I have students that have said, teacher, I'm learning or memorizing, say, 40 words every day, or I am reading this grammar book every single day or whatever book it is related to English. And even when they're telling me their methods, I'm like, that does sound boring. I'm not going to lie. It does. Like, it, it's like you have to kind of change it up. Um, and that makes a big difference. So for those listening, for me, the advice I'd like to give you for how to stop feeling lazy is see what you're currently doing see how you're currently studying and what you're currently studying, and then see how you can change that method. And also like you were saying, Julie, change the method a bit and also change the subject matter. I think a lot of times um, when students, when you're studying English, you forget that it's not just about the words you're learning. Like it's a language, but you're also kind of learning about culture and you're learning how to express your own ideas in that language. So what do you like? What are you interested in? and then learn how to express those thoughts and ideas in English. So I think connecting it yeah. to what you actually enjoy will make it more enjoyable. I don't know if you know what I mean. 
Yeah, I think um, just to add to that, I think that laziness and like lack of motivation kind of go hand in hand. So it's not necessarily that you're lazy. Like you can be a really hardworking person and I like you and I are hardworking, but I'm sure there are days where you feel maybe tired and less motivated than other days. And uh, for me, I have to basically like find my motivation again. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's, it's the same thing when you guys are studying English, like, it, like you said, maybe people are reading the same grammar book or the same, doing the same exercises and there's nothing wrong with that, but it might not necessarily be helping people reach their goals. So mm-hmm. let's say if, if your goal is to get a job and you're just kind of studying grammar every day, it may or may not really help mm-hmm. you with the job. So like you said, it's not just a matter of learning words. It's also developing skills that are actually going to help you. Um, in terms of communication and why you're learning English in the first place. So if your goal is to move overseas or to study in a university or to do an internship, like if you're doing um, things to help you get closer to that goal, I think your motivation will naturally kind of come back. So uh, don't just do things like, you know, for the sake of it. Um, Kind of like take a step back and, and rethink like, why are you even learning English in the first place? Uh, and then sort of like align what you're doing to that goal. And I think then your laziness will like maybe disappear. Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) I agree. I agree. Um, I think those are very important points and hopefully students, as you guys are listening, you'll see what we're saying. It really is not just about language. It's really kind of about also thinking about what you're doing and your life and how it connects. So, um, Well, then, Julie, we're talking about studying and having a method. What about this question then? A student asked, how can I study when I'm alone? And I get this question a lot. How would you tell a student to study? Like they live in their country and in their country, no one really speaks English fluently. There are no native English speakers. How can they study when they're alone? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you can also choose aspects to study more when you're alone. Like, for example, you can work a lot on your listening. Um, I think you still need to find ways to improve your speaking. And I, I'll let you talk about finding a speaking partner because I think okay. that that's an important part. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, like one thing you can do is, first of all, you can work on your listening and mm-hmm. you can also take advantage of the resources that are available online uh, and connect with people overseas and other language learners, which nowadays, like we're lucky enough to have access to other people from other countries and people in your own country that are also studying English or would like to learn English. Like, I think the hard part is just kind of connecting with people or finding a community but once you do that I think um, you still have a lot of opportunities like endless opportunities to practice with other people so even though you're physically alone maybe in your house or in your city or you feel like you're alone I don't think you're actually alone in reality if that makes sense yeah I know what you mean I know what you mean I totally agree with you. The fact that we have the internet now, like you can get in contact with anyone anywhere. Um, Regarding finding a speaking partner, again, this is something that is tricky. However, like Julie, you mentioned with the internet, basically the doors are wide open. It's just a matter of not being nervous and kind of overcoming the fear. So a lot of students are a little shy 
to actually ask someone like, hey, do you want to be my partner? Or, hey, does anyone want to study with me? I know for some students, um, so again, those listening, so uh, if you go to the Speak English with Tiffany Academy, you can join as a monthly member and you automatically become a part of a community. We have a private telegram group and students talk all the time. They're from everywhere around the world and they talk all the time. But still some students or are a part of that community will message me and say, Tiff, um, how do I ask someone to be my partner? Now they're having conversations throughout the entire day um, but they still feel shy sometimes to ask for a partner. And to those students, I reply like, hey, remember, people are willing to practice with you. All you have to do is ask. And the students that do overcome that fear and simply ask, they get responses like, yeah, I'd love to study. Hey, let's do it via Zoom or hey, let's talk via WhatsApp. So mm -hmm. the first thing I would say is overcoming your fear. That's the major step, overcoming your fear and being willing to ask. So you can ask if you're a part of a community, like if you're a part of a course and that course includes a community or um, even underneath YouTube videos, like several months ago, I mentioned this, like, guys, underneath the video, whatever video you're watching, whether it's a video from me, a video from teacher Julie or any other amazing English teacher online in the comment section, say, hey, this is a great lesson. Does anybody want to practice with me? And you'll be amazed by how people will respond. So um, you're not yeah. really alone. Like you were saying, Julie, you may be physically quote unquote alone, but there are people around the world ready and willing to study with you. All you have to do is ask. So again, under a video, yeah. um, in a community you may be a part of that you've been shy up until now to ask people, um, about studying with you or even in a Facebook group, like join a group and just start talking. So I think those three things are kind of really important for yeah. students to do. Just to add a little to that, actually, um, I think a really important thing is to look for people in the right places as well. Like we we're saying, you know, right in the comments, and I see a lot of people doing that, but I think that it's important to take initiative as well. Like I'm going to, you know, give a little bit of tough love here. I think that you can't do nothing and expect to find a speaking partner or write one message and expect mm -hmm. to find a speaking partner. Like it's not to be mean, it's just the reality. But like, if you really want to do something, you can do it, including finding a speaking partner for free, mm -hmm. but you have to put in a little bit of work up front um, mm -hmm. and you have to make an effort to connect with people who have similar goals, who are also trying to learn English, who actually want a speaking partner, like just messaging someone or messaging just a teacher, for example, and saying, can you be my speaking partner? Mm -hmm. I think it's not realistic because you need to find someone who is also trying to practice their English um, the way that you are. If you mm -hmm. want to take a class, that's a different thing. Mm -hmm. But I think you have to make an effort to, like you said, join Facebook groups. There are a lot of language exchanges. Um, there's also like language exchanges on Meetup. Meetup, mm -hmm. it's a website where people organize different events like in mm -hmm. cities all around the world. And these things are free. It's just a matter of you taking the time to research a bit. Mm -hmm. So you can find language exchange groups that people organize. Mm -hmm. um, like I've had a lot of students attend them and they said they were great. Like some of them, they were like, eh, and some of them were fantastic. <laughs> so again, it's, it's kind of like, you know, trial and error. You have to try mm -hmm. something until you get it right and find a method that works for you. But don't get discouraged if you write one message and you don't get a mm -hmm. partner right away. Like mm -hmm. keep trying and keep trying in the right places um, and you will find people for sure. Boom. I like that point. 
don't just try one time. Keep going. Keep going. All right. Okay, then what about this question then, Julie? You know, we've kind of given them advice on how to stop being lazy, um, how to find a partner. But what happens when they've done that and they're learning, however, they continue to forget words? Students ask this a lot, like, teacher, I'm learning, but I forget the words. Like, when I get into a certain situation, I can't remember the word that matches the situation. So how can students stop forgetting words or how can they start remembering them? Same question, just worded differently. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that with anything you don't practice, you kind of forget and lose your skills. So uh, vocabulary is the same thing. So if you are forgetting vocabulary, it's probably for a couple of reasons. Maybe you're not using it, or maybe you're learning vocabulary that you don't have an opportunity to use, mm -hmm. in which case you should learn different vocabulary. So <laughs> I think the actual vocabulary that you are learning in the first place needs to be vocabulary expressions, words that you can use, okay? Mm -hmm. um, if they are if you're going to use them like once in six months, then I would say to choose other expressions that you can use like almost on a daily basis, okay? Yeah. Um, and then you will be more likely to remember them. And yeah, yeah I think you can, you can add to that. <laughs> Look at my head, I'm like, she said it all. Yep, I agree. <laughs> Um, no, yeah, I think one of the keys that I want to, um, emphasize that you made the points that you made is the fact that you have to learn words you can use in real life, like words that apply to your current situation. And I've used this analogy before in a video I did on YouTube, but if you are in a situation where like, for example, you like cooking, right? Um, like cooking, I'll use myself like cooking, like art, like sports, like exercise, but then you're learning words related to the news. You're not going to remember those. Like yeah. you're not going to remember those words because they're not applicable to your own life or your own situation. Like even in your own language, you don't talk about the news. Yeah. So again, I learned that for myself when I was studying Korean. I was like, I'm not remembering these words because I don't have an opportunity to use them. Like I don't talk about these subjects. However, when you start learning words related to your life, it's a lot easier. It'll be a lot easier for you to remember them because you already have kind of connections created in your brain already. You're just adding kind of another little, uh, I guess, column. If you can imagine your brain is having like this Excel spreadsheet of words and different way they connect. You're just adding one more column for that word and you're saying, hey, now this is the English form of that word that you already had in your own language. So yeah, again, connecting you to something actually happening in your life makes it easier to remember words or the words. So hopefully that helps you guys. I think that's the best advice we can give for that one. Um, how about English grammar? <laughs> now, this is something again, like I am very adamant about, um, uh, how do I phrase this? Cause you and I have talked about this before and I've also mentioned it on my YouTube channel. Um, specifically for intermediate and advanced students. I don't necessarily say the same thing to my beginner students when I, well, when I was teaching in Korea and I taught beginners, I didn't make the same uh, claim or statement. Studying grammar is very important, but you have to study it in a different way as you kind of improve your English skills, as you go to the next levels. Like you can't just study book grammar when you get to the intermediate and advanced levels. You do need it, but you can't stay in that method, basically. You can't continue just to use that method. 
Um, so I'll, I'll keep, you know what, I'll let you say your thoughts on English grammar, um, improving it, and then I'll kind of give some tips that I've given students in the past. But how do you think students can improve their English grammar, specifically like intermediate and advanced, I'd say, English mm -hmm. learners? Um, so I agree that grammar is important, like it's part of a language. If you're trying to improve your overall English, you can't just like exactly. disregard grammar altogether. Exactly. Of course it matters. Exactly. Um, however, I think that sometimes what happens is people kind of get caught up or stuck um, studying grammar the way that they always have, for instance, yeah. when they were in school. However, a lot of adult learners like tell us, you know, in English, our English classes were bad. We just studied grammar and that's it. But they still keep doing that after yeah. school and they don't have to. So um, in terms of the way that you study grammar, it absolutely has to change because in school, you study from a book and learn things and do a test because your yeah. teacher tells you to do that when you're a child, right? But now that's not the case. You want to um, speak correctly because you want to sound professional or you want to, whatever the case is, right? So uh, yeah, the method has to change, absolutely. And generally what I do is uh, with my students in the past, I've said that you should focus on like one grammar point at a time and it should mm -hmm. be, a grammar point that you make a lot of mistakes with. So like mm -hmm. if, for example, a teacher is correcting you or you have mistakes in your writing or you do a grammar quiz and you find like, okay, I make mistakes with the present perfect tense. Like many people mm -hmm. make mistakes with this tense, present perfect or past perfect or perfect tenses. Mm -hmm. So what I would say is to learn that tense, but not to, to memorize a form and just do a bunch of exercises. Mm -hmm. You actually have to understand like why, what is the point of this tense and when we actually use it in real life okay mm. so for example you use it generally one of the ways you use it is to talk about like experiences you've had in your life like mm -hmm. this is how i mm -hmm. teach that grammar i would say okay this is the present perfect and we're using it to talk about experiences so let's talk about our experiences or let's ask mm -hmm. about our experiences and then you kind of naturally practice the form of that tense, because you've learned it in a context mm -hmm. that we native speakers or English speakers actually use it for. So we use it naturally without maybe studying it from a book. But um, instead of focusing on the form of the grammar, you should focus on the use of the grammar point mm -hmm. and learn grammar based on the mistakes you're making. Mm -hmm. So don't just like study a book from start to finish, start to finish, do another book, because it's going to be like the same grammar points mm -hmm. again and again and again. And mm -hmm. uh, basically, I would say, like, spend more time on just the areas you make mistakes on, correct those mistakes, and you're kind of like going to sound more polished. Because uh, for a lot of people, it's not that they speak and they make a million mistakes. It's that they make one mistake over yeah. and over and over again. So it's yes. like, okay, I can't, I'm having trouble with past tense, or I'm having trouble with articles, or I'm having trouble with this. And they feel like their English is so bad, but actually it's just one mistake. So yeah. just like identify it and you can either get a teacher to help you or do a quiz. Like there's different ways for that, which we can maybe talk about another time. But yeah. once you identify the mistake, then you learn it and you learn how to use it in the correct situations. And then like focus consciously when you're speaking just on that grammar point and then eventually you will correct it like the method yeah. works and I've used it and 
yeah, it's it's not just a matter of like, because people ask me a lot, like, how do I learn all grammar? Or can I start from the beginning? But like, especially if you're intermediate or above, mm-hmm. you don't need to start from the beginning, because the beginning is yeah. like verb to be I am he is she is and like, yeah. how many times are you going to do that? Yeah, you can only study verb to be like so many times. And then mm-hmm. you have to, you have to move on, got to move on, got to progress. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) I agree. I agree. I, um, I think that's exactly what I try to let my students know as well, um, regarding the grammar. Like you have to figure out a different way and you also have to apply it to your life. I think I've done one or two grammar videos on my YouTube channel. I think one or two. Um, and in the videos I was trying to teach how to learn grammar. I wasn't teaching grammar, but kind of going along the lines of what you said, like, Okay, you learn the rule. Don't memorize just a whole bunch of sentences, but like learn the rule, look at some example sentences and then apply it to your life, which is what you were talking about earlier with asking them like, hey, talk about your experiences. So I think when it comes to English grammar, that's again, what I would tell my students and what I have been telling my students is apply it to your life. So again, for those listening, how to improve your English grammar, apply it to your life. Like literally like figure out a rule. And I like what you said to Julie about Focusing on the grammar rules that you're having trouble with. Don't keep going over the ones you already know. Um, the ones you're having trouble with and see how you can actually apply those to your current life and to your experiences. Yes. Um, another tip that I've used, even when I, like when I, even now, like I speak Korean, but there are moments when I have to kind of refresh my memory or review some things. Google is amazing. So like if you learn a grammar rule, right, and you've looked at the sentences, there's going to be a pattern in each sentence. What I do personally is I pick out the pattern from that sentence, like the where the grammar rule has been applied. I take those words, again, Korean words, verbatim, and I take them and I put quotes around them and I stick it in Google. And what happens is as soon as I hit search, it brings up a whole host of different websites or blog posts that include that pattern. And what happens is I'm able to see the pattern in different real situations, like in a real paragraph about real life. And it makes it easier for me to understand the grammar rule because I'm seeing it in context. So for students, Mm -hmm. if you're learning a certain grammar rule or grammar um, pattern, try to do that as well. Like from the example sentences, take out a piece of of the example sentence, put quotes around it, put it inside of a Google search um, search bar or search uh, area and then hit search and you'll come up with so many different blogs or articles that have that exact same pattern and it makes it easier to learn the grammar rule yeah. in real real life. So that's helped me a lot, actually. It's helped a lot. Um, let's see, all right, last question. <laughs> this one I like. Um, a student says, how can I tell better stories in English? Do you want to start this one? <laughs> Tell by the look on your face, you were like, yeah, Tiff, I'm going to need you to start this. Well, let's go. <laughs> you can start. <laughs> um, yes. So um, I like telling stories. I think you guys are aware of that. Like I tell stories on YouTube literally every week. Um, when it comes to telling a good story, um, actually the tips that I would give are not necessarily related to English. This is, this is applicable to any, any language, anywhere you are. Uh, A story needs to first um, have characters. Again, I'm going to just go basic, like for those listening. But you can't just say a character's name. 
like Brian and Sally were walking to the store. Well, who's Brian? Who's Sally? <laughs> like, like you want to kind of give some background information about Brian and Sally. So again, like starting off, you have to let the person listening to your story know like the background information about the characters in the story. Um, but then as you go through the story again, now as an English learner, some things you have to remember it, um, are you have to kind of paint the picture. Like when you're telling a story, you're basically, your job is to paint the picture, helping the person listening to you kind of visualize what's actually happening. So that kind of goes back to like the five W's of who, what, when, where, why, like, where are they? Describe, like they're in a forest, describe the forest, are the trees brown? Like describe things like that. Uh, why are they in the forest? Um, kind of setting the stage. Um, but then, and we all know this, but maybe you don't necessarily realize it for those listening to this uh, podcast. Every story kind of has like this problem or a challenge, like something that has to be like overcome. Um, so you have to kind of present that and then also show how they get through it or overcome it. And then that's to be a climax to the story. Like this one thing happened and they were able to get through it or over. It. And then at the end, I always say you need to have not only a summary, but a lesson learned. Um, I found that when you tell a story uh, to someone, if you don't give them kind of like the lesson that was learned, they're just like, oh, that was a good story, thanks. As opposed to, wow, that story was powerful and I'm gonna take it with me throughout the rest of my life. So, I mean, it's applicable to movies as well. Even though we watch movies for entertainment, we remember them because some part of the movie touched us. Like it was a... a, a for example, I don't know if you know the notebook, the sidebar students. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yes, the notebook, <laughs> a wonderful movie if you've never seen it. <laughs> like it's a good romantic movie or whatever, but it also kind of the testament to true love and how you love no matter what goes on, um, what happens to each other. So yes, it's important to end a story with kind of um, a lesson learned to take away. So yeah. I don't know if you want to add anything. It was fantastic, but I can add a, I can add a little bit. Um, I'll try. So yeah, I think like a difficulty or a challenge when it comes to telling stories is that, especially if you're telling a story in English, you're focused so much on your English that you kind of forget about your listener. And yeah. this has happened a lot of times with a lot of my students. Like they've been telling me a story about their week or about their weekend. And I'm, I get lost with the time frame and I get lost with uh, the mm -hmm. people, the characters in the story. So they're just naming people. And if I don't know the people, I can't connect to them. Um, exactly. The people basically don't mean anything to me. So I like they, you actually don't even have to give a person's name. Mm -hmm. You can just describe who they are. Like you said, you have to paint a picture mm -hmm. in your listener's mind. So I think a big thing is to, learn how to, um, I guess, let me think how to no take your time. We're all here for you. <laughs> okay. Here for you, Julie. Yeah, Don't worry. Thank you. Thank you. So it's important to basically link the time or the order of events mm -hmm. in your story. So this can be very challenging, especially with verb tenses. And like, this is where grammar comes in and grammar is important because mm -hmm. A lot of times I get lost during a story. Um, if I don't know if this is currently happening, if this has finished, is this ongoing? Yeah. And so in, in reality, grammar is important, like in a story, right? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. otherwise your listener is totally lost. So focusing on kind of linking or connecting the order of your events uh, for mm -hmm. your listener is important. Mm 
mm-hmm. and giving background information uh, is important mm-hmm. and giving details is important as well. Uh, yeah, there's a lot that could be said about stories, but I think these things, uh, like don't just focus on your vocabulary and your language itself, like think about whether what the other person knows and what they might need more details about. And also take uh, cues from your listener. So like Mm -hmm. if you see that your listener looks confused or they're asking you a million questions, like (laughs) then maybe your story is not as clear as you think it is. Okay. Um, So it's good. Like storytelling is an art Mm -hmm. and um, even like English speakers, not everyone is a storyteller. And like you said, Tiffany, you tell stories every single week and you have lots of practice. So as well, like I think practice makes perfect and storytelling Mm -hmm. is is the same. So the more stories you tell, like talk about your week, your weekend, like if you went somewhere, just try to talk about it. You can even Mm -hmm. write them down. You can record yourself telling stories to yourself and kind of listen. Um, Lots of things you can do. But yeah, considering your listener, I think is a big one uh, that I would say. Definitely. I agree. Thank you. That added information was very important. We appreciate you. (laughs) Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, Julie, thank you so much. Uh, I enjoy uh, every time we are able to talk, but um, I enjoy answering students' questions with you as well. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Most definitely. All right. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, if you want to see video explanations for all of the words and expressions that were used in today's episode, all you have to do is join the weekly English Words membership by going to www.weeklyenglishwords.com. Once again, that's www.weeklyenglishwords.com. This has been Teacher Tiffany with the Speak English with Tiffany podcast. Until next time, remember to speak English.